Hey, good afternoon to you. Welcome to Monday's Richie Allen Show. It's the 28th of November, 2022. It's me, your BBG, with you till 7 o'clock this evening. Got two terrific guests lined up for you. Don't go anywhere. Uh, comment, as usual, on the programme via my website, richieallen.co.uk. Look forward to this programme. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. Yeah, it sure is live. RichieAllen.co.uk. Two great guesses, I said. Let's do it then. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on RichieAllen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Lovely. What sort of weekend have you had? Has it been relaxing and restful? Yes, yes. Good. Good to hear it. Thank you. Mine has been all right. Looking forward to this week. I've got some really good guests lined up for you this week on the programme. And we'll do a phone-in as well at some stage this week. A good old phone-in because we like those, don't we? Let me tell you who's on the programme then. Uh, I'll be joined this hour by Dr. Jason Dean. Now, he's writing about transhumanism and nanotech and how this is impacting on children. Uh, This is really interesting. He'll be on with me in the next hour. In the next hour. Yeah, get it right, Baldy. In the next hour, he's warning, is Dr. Jason Dean, that if we're not careful about how we raise our children, they will fall for transhumanism, a transhumanism trap and enslavement the enslavement that will inevitably follow. He's a really interesting uh, guy, is Dr. Jason Dean. We'll talk about that with him in the next hour. Before that, though, uh, it's great to welcome back to the programme the former US Assistant Secretary of the Treasury, Paul Craig Roberts, will be live. He'll be with me in about 20 minutes' time. Yeah, a funny thing happened over the weekend. The Twitter account, or the, the Twitter, yeah, account, I suppose, for the Richie Allen Show was restored You might remember last week we talked a bit about this. The new owner of Twitter ran a poll on his own account asking if people who had been banned from Twitter but hadn't broken any laws should be given an amnesty. This is real vaudeville stuff, the the way that Elon Musk is behaving. It's all very silly and weird. And 70-something percent of people who responded, they said, yes, you should restore accounts and... Accounts, a lot of accounts that were banned have suddenly been unlocked, including the the one for for the Richie Allen show. I don't know what's going on with that because, as I wrote about today, I don't believe that the platform is going to become less censorious. I don't believe that for a minute. Things are going to become more censorious, not just on Twitter, but everywhere else, I believe, in the coming weeks and months and years. So I don't know what's going on with it. When they close an account... The person who owns the account can still see it. It's called read-only mode. So you you might have wondered in the past, Richie was banned from Twitter. How did he know who was saying what on Twitter? Because I would sometimes read from the BBC on Twitter or talk TV or whatever. So they do permit the account holder to, to read only. You can't tweet, you can't retweet, you can't send a message. So that's how it works. So that's why I didn't delete the entire account myself because it's useful from time to time to to see what's going on in the mainstream media. So I'm not going to use it very much. I did put a couple of things on there yesterday and today. Um, I'll be reading comments from richieallen.co.uk, comment live 
I would prefer if you would like to continue, if you would like to comment on the programme and on the guests while it's live on air, I would prefer that you use the comment live on the website and not tweet it at me because I'm not really likely to be spending a lot of time on on Twitter. So answers on a postcard as to what is really going on, I don't know. When the page was closed, I was not remotely bothered by this at all. If you remember, I didn't make any fuss about it. These things are inevitable. So I, I don't know what to make of it. You let me know through comment live richieallen.co.uk. You might not care. And that's fair too. That's fine. So I don't know. Let's talk about something that is important then. And this made the Telegraph yesterday. And only the Telegraph. Maybe the Mail Online picked it up. But it's about Pfizer and Dr. Albert Bourla, who's the current CEO of Pfizer. He has been reprimanded by the pharmaceutical watchdog in this country for making, quote, misleading, end quote, statements about children's vaccines, okay? Now, he gave an interview to the BBC last Christmas, December time, did Bourla, the CEO of Pfizer, and he claimed, quote, there is no doubt in my mind that the benefits completely are in favour of vaccinating youngsters aged 5 to 11 against COVID. And he went on to tell the BBC that, quote, COVID in schools is thriving, end quote, and then, quote, this is disturbing significantly the educational system and there are kids that will have severe symptoms, end quote. So this was BBC website last December. And that interview was given to the BBC before the MHRA, which regulates medicine in this country, before it had approved the jab for this uh, age group, okay? So shortly after the article was published by the BBC, a complaint was submitted to the pharmaceutical watchdog, the Prescription Medicines Code of Practice Authority, or PMCPA. That complaint was lodged by the group Us For Them. We've had Us For Them on this programme. It's a parent campaign group set up to promote the rights of children during the pandemic. Now, they alleged that Borla's remarks about the children's vaccine were disgracefully misleading and extremely promotional in nature. They argued it breached several clauses of the Association of the British Pharmaceutical Industries Code of Practice. They said there's no evidence whatsoever that healthy school children in the UK are at significant risk from the SARS-CoV-2 virus. To imply this is disgracefully misleading. And the UK's pharmaceutical watchdog has upheld this complaint and said, yes, the us for them group is absolutely right. Now, speaking about this, is today was even Dr. Rene Hunderkamp. She was uh, appearing on GB News and pulled no punches about this. And it is interesting. It's really only the Telegraph and GB News that has picked up on this very significant development. Parents everywhere, not just in the UK, need to hear this news. Absolutely huge, Bear. And I think it isn't getting enough coverage yet, but I think it will. I think there's more to run because the report's going to come out. But essentially, last December, no, December 2020, when the vaccine was being mooted for children, lots of people like us were pushing back. Pfizer guy, Albert Buehler, went on TV and said, I don't want to misquote him, um, that there is no doubt in my mind that the benefit 
completely are in favour of vaccinating youngsters 5 to 11 against COVID. Kids will have severe symptoms. And, you know, there were many, many people saying there's no evidence for that. What are you doing? Particularly us for them, Molly Kingsley, who has fought and championed children. So she actually made a complaint to the regulator of the pharmaceutical watchdog, the, pres the um, Prescription Medicines Code of Practice. And they initially ruled that not only were they misleading, but it was bringing the industry into disrepute and all of those. They appealed. Pfizer have deep pockets. Don't forget this. This is why it was so brave of us for them. And they appealed. And some of the, um, the accusations were dismissed, but the regulator upheld that Pfizer had misled the public on this and that they failed to present information in a factual and balanced way. Now, bear in mind, this is parents. We're trying to give parents the right information, which is what we've been trying to do. We've been trying to say, look, this is the risk of your child dying of COVID mm. or being seriously ill. And actually, this is the risk of the vaccine. Pfizer failed to do that and they've been told off for it. So this is absolutely massive. And now parents need to be told before those kids have any more vaccines. Yeah. yeah, pretty much every parent in the world should know this and I, I know you are probably screaming now at your device, Richie, making false claims about the virus being serious enough for children to warrant vaccinating them is probably the least of Pfizer's crimes and, and I hear you, the least of Pfizer's crimes. But uh, Bev Turner, funnily enough, went on to say that it's really only GB News covering this and this gets on my goat. Gets my goat. What's the phrase? Gets my goat, is it? It gets on my breasts. <laughs> because there is a thriving independent media. There has been for many years. And within that independent media, there are many men and women talking about these things and asking questions. But that, I won't get into it because I think it's a Monday and you're probably not in the humour for it. You're not in the mood for it. But that's another thing that I've been talking about for a couple of years. They're trying to ease out the independent media. Of course they are. But one of the th one of the ways they're doing it is, is they are redefining the independent media. And they are creating a set of circumstances whereby r radio stations and television stations like GB News will come to be seen as the alternative when in fact they are nothing but really. It's clever stuff the way they're doing it. But anyway, monkeypox has been given a new name because monkeypox might offend people. Black people have been referred to as monkeys in the past. Rather disgusting, really. But um, yeah, and that's the reason, effectively. They're, they've decided to call it mpox, not monkeypox anymore, because there were some complaints, apparently, to the World Health Organization about racist and stigmatizing language linked to the name of the virus. Mpox, not monkeypox anymore. Somebody, somebody melted down. Again, we ask this question often enough, don't we, on this show. Why did they give in to morons? <laughs> you know? Change the name from monkeypox. It's triggering. No, no, I'm not going to change the name, thanks. Next, please. This really interested me today. Did you hear this? Talked about it last week and the week before and the week before. Now, the National Grid said that it was considering activating this new scheme to get people to turn their power off, right? Because of a shortage of, of energy supplies. 
they they were considering doing it tomorrow night. You see, tomorrow evening, England plays Wales in the World Cup, or England will play Wales in the Soccer World Cup in Qatar. And the national grid thought there might be a real strain on the grid tomorrow night because supplies are running a bit low in any case. So we might initiate this scheme that they've been talking about for some weeks. And the scheme is where people are given discounts on their electricity bills if they cut their electricity use at peak time or during peak time. So the BBC is is reporting the National Grid has decided not to activate the scheme tomorrow night to help the UK avoid power cuts after being poised to do so. Let's have a listen to Hannah Thomas-Peter. She's a reporter for Sky News does a good job of explaining what was about to happen tomorrow. But we all sat up and paid attention, didn't we? This idea that for the very first time, in a controlled fashion, UK consumers, those who'd signed up, those with smart meters, who'd agreed to reduce their demand during uh, peak hours in return for payments or credits off their electricity bills, would be asked to do so uh, in anger. The National Grid had clearly looked ahead at the England-Wales football match, the fact that it's the first real cold snap of the autumn, um, concerns perhaps as well about whether or not it would be windy enough to generate enough enough wind power and and flagged that there may well be this this de- this uh, activation of the demand flexibility service which is a brand new new service um, the real crunch issue was that we couldn't get enough electricity uh, from the French nuclear fleet which has been un- being undergoing maintenance for some time now and, and more than half of it is offline um, the National Grid's obviously found a way to plug the gap. That may well be uh, via coal-powered, uh, coal-fired power stations, but we're going to get some more detail about that in the coming hours. So, as it stands, the National Grid now now saying that there is no need for those relevant UK consumers to reduce their demand tomorrow evening. Do you think there was any real danger of a blackout tomorrow, dear listener, or are they priming people for? for this type of thing in the very near future. Please let me know your thoughts. It's richieallen.co.uk. Comment live, please do. What's going on there? You know, it's not even that cold at the moment. Now, admittedly, I'm a rather robust and rather fetching, if I don't mind saying so myself, 47-year-old baldy gammon. It, It doesn't feel very cold at the moment. It's pretty mild and we're not really into the heart of the winter. So what's going on here? They, they, the drama today was, was quite extraordinary. All morning, the news programmes, the news webs and the news wires, if you want to say that, they said, oh, the National Grid will make an announcement between 2 and 3 this afternoon if they're going to activate the scheme and pay people to not use their electricity tomorrow night. What's going on? Help me out here, please, please. Helping me out. Your Richie Allen Show, by the way. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk, multiple platforms. Hey, listen, can I just say this? It is important. Because a number of fairly recent listeners to the programme are pretty excited that the show is, you know, apparently back on Twitter. And your kind of relatively new listeners to the programme, don't get excited about it being back on Twitter. It won't last very long, and I'm not going to use Twitter very long. Uh, Very often, I mean. I will use it from time to time to maybe reach out to somebody when I've exhausted all the other typical avenues of of reaching somebody. But don't get too excited. But I've got to say this, inevitably after the account was restored, you've got to remember, no big-headedness here now, but the programme is pretty popular. 
It's got um, a lot of listeners around the world. It's picked up in about 110 countries. So inevitably, once it came back on Twitter, out came the the trolls and out came the anonymous tweeters claiming that I am a Holocaust denier, which is absolute nonsense. It's abject nonsense. It's untrue. And you might be new to the programme and that might scare you. Uh, no, I'm not. Or anything like it. So, so don't believe that. Uh, inevitably they they don't offer any proof I've interviewed some people over the years with with such opinions but it's not an opinion I hold and just keep that in mind okay there's a lot of trolling going on at the moment a lot of get him off Twitter he's a holocaust and of course I'm not and there are many Jewish people in this city of Salford and in Manchester who would testify as such including my accountants by the way it's uh, 17 minutes past 5 don't believe the liars um, just listen, use your ears you, you know what you get on this programme you know the sort of content you get um, we don't do holocaust denial or bigotry or any of that nonsense just something we don't do alrighty, it is uh, what, what did I want to talk about propaganda is interesting isn't it the, the television and the influence the television has on people is interesting. Now, this isn't, this is hardly groundbreaking what I'm about to say now. We know what the television has done in terms of propagandizing people over the last 50, 60, 70 years. But there was a funny call to LBC Radio today. Don't panic, you're not going to hear any of the presenters. We'll just hear the caller. The presenters are terrible, aren't they? But a caller rang in and she was absolutely dismayed to go and see her elderly mother only to learn that her elderly mother is now a convert to Matt Hancock, the former health secretary of the UK. This woman was stunned that her mother, who was affected by the decisions made by Matt Hancock, even though he didn't really make the decisions himself, um, this woman was stunned that her mum now all of a sudden has kind of changed her mind, done a 180 on Matt Hancock. But it is interesting because I see a lot of this in uh, society a lot. I, I come from a very working class family in the Midlands where all Labour supporters have been for all our lives. And in answer to your question, has he pulled it off? Absolutely. Because I went round to see my 87-year-old mum last night who we didn't see for a whole year during the pandemic. We yeah. literally came to the door, dropped her shopping off. You know, lady with lots of health problems. We were terrified we were going to lose her during that time and thankfully we didn't they wouldn't go in to see their dear mother they didn't spend any time with her physically for a year because of the lies of people like Matt Hancock and Boris Johnson and Tweedledum and Tweedledee Chris Whitty and the other Egypt I can't remember his name now the scientific guy Patrick Valance now it's just come back to me it stuns me they, they didn't go in they would leave groceries and retreat after waving through a window. I mean, do you think in some of these people there's any sort of a reflection at all, thinking, were we crazy to be acting like that? Like, But her first comments to me last night were, have you seen Matt Hancock oh. on I'm a Celebrity? And I launched into, yeah, it's disgraceful. And she stopped me right there and said, he's absolutely brilliant. Oh, he's done everything. He's been on every trial. You should have seen him. He's fantastic. Nothing was too <laughs> awful for him. He's done brilliantly. I'm going to say this. I don't know how we measure courage anymore. Do you know how we measure courage? How do you measure it? I mean, I, I, there are things I've done and there are things I would do. And I think other people, 
might look upon them and think, God, it takes a bit of courage to do that, Richie, right? I've done some things, and people who know me will know I've done some stuff, right? But I couldn't do any of that bush tucker stuff, um, rolling around on the ground with spiders and, and snakes and stuff. Uh, no, rats, no no thanks. Absolutely not. So is Matt Hancock a braver man than me? That's the question for this uh, phone. No, we're not doing a phone-in on that. Um, but again, yeah, the, the turnaround, amazing. He's, he's, he's an absolute bastard. But now he, he's, he's on telly in a reality show and mum thinks he's, he's absolutely brilliant. Propaganda. She, I know we, it's the one thing I've never done. I don't call people sheep. I don't refer to people as sheep. But anywho, we are rapidly approaching Paul Craig Roberts on Monday's Richie Allen show. There was another clip I wanted to play for you, but I won't play it because it's not that interesting. Um, why did you down? I downloaded it because I was short of audio today. What's going on in China? Do you, again, I, I'm throwing these questions out. I hope I get a response on richieallen.co.uk. Is it something to be optimistic about looking across, you know, the globe to uh, to China? Is it is it something to be optimistic about the, the rebellion in some of China's major cities? Is it where people have had enough of these incredibly draconian lockdowns where people are locked into their houses, into their apartment blocks and under armed guard and told they can't leave? Is it something to be excited about or will the Chinese just snuff it out? What do you think? I will certainly be getting into that with Paul Craig Roberts in a few minutes' time. Uh, Monday's programme, Your Richie Allen Show. Do not forget Dr. Jason Dean will join me to talk transhumanism and children in the second hour. He's going to be really interesting. And Paul Craig Roberts is back. He'll be with me in about three minutes' time. Don't go anywhere. I'm telling you, don't go anywhere. Cold, seasonal flu and respiratory diseases. We all get them. Never before have your body's defences been under such constant attack. Now more than ever, it's essential to have a robust immune system. Inspired by the Zelenko Protocol, Immunex 365 is a unique formulation that combines effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2, as well as zinc and quercetin. Immunex 365 has been specifically formulated to maximise the effect of each ingredient, giving your immune system an optimum boost. Take back your health with just two capsules of Immunex 365 every day. UK listeners of The Richie Allen Show can use their special 15% discount code RichieAllen365 at checkout. Go to immunex365.co.uk to get yours now. Now with two-day track delivery free. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. That is Richie Allen. By the way, my Twitter handle, not that I'll be using Twitter very often, is BBG Richie. That's B-B-G-R-I-C-H-I-E. That's the Twitter handle for the programme, Paul Craig Roberts, being the eternally reliable professional that he is has just waved at me there on the computer I'm waving back, he's there, you're there, I'm here everything is right, the, the hatches have been battened down this is you 2 Angel of Harlem on the Richie Allen Show ba, 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 ba. back with Paul in three and a half minutes time Angel of Harlem on the Richie Allen Show. The time is exactly 25 and one half minutes past six o'clock. I'm delighted to be reunited with my guest uh, this hour. He's an old friend of the shows. In fact, we've 
I think we've been talking for well beyond 10 years now. Uh, there isn't very much I can tell you about him other than he's an author. He is a uh, a journalist. Go to his website, paulcraigroberts.org. But most impressively, of course, he is a former US Assistant Secretary of the Treasury. Welcome back, Paul Craig Roberts. How are you, Paul? Thank you very much, Richie. Lovely to have you back, sir, really is. And um, I can't wait to get talking about vaccines with you. Um, folks, go to paulcraigroberts.org. Before that, though, my friend, what do we make of what's happening in China? Do we think we're seeing the stirrings or the beginnings of genuine resistance to the COVID tyranny there or... Will the Chinese just do what the Chinese do, disappear a lot of people and suppress it? What do you think, Paul? Um, I think it, it shows that the uh, whole COVID thing is, is misunderstood or a hoax. Because if it was really a danger, the people wouldn't be protesting the measures um, that are supposed to protect. So I think... It, what we see worldwide now is a breakdown in the entire hoax. The whole COVID pandemic was an orchestration from, from the beginning, and it's now breaking down. Everything that we were told has proven to be 100% false, not only false, but calculated disinformation and people are catching on. They're just catching on rapidly. And we have every day three or four more reports from independent scientists that the vaccine is far more deadly than COVID and that the people who have been vaccinated uh, face the possibility of death or debilitating illnesses. And so I think the hoax is broken down. The question is, will the people responsible be held accountable? And that might not be likely, at least not anytime soon. You may be aware of this, but here in the UK, Pfizer's CEO has been given a rap on the knuckles by the pharmaceutical watchdog here because of misleading statements he made last December, Paul. This is kind of significant. In fact, it's so significant, it is not being covered by the media here, really. What happened last December was, uh, Borla, the Albert Borla, the CEO of Pfizer, he told the BBC a pack of lies. He said that the vaccine should be given to very young children because they're, they are very much at risk from... Uh, COVID-19, that it's a, a real problem for their age group, which of course everybody knew was untrue. And he was able to say that without any challenge from the BBC. But um, the watchdog, watchdog has upheld a complaint by a group of mothers and accepted that what he said was essentially nonsense. But this is getting very little coverage really apart from GB News here in the UK. Most of the media is ignoring it, but it's significant, Paul. You know, the watchdog has said, you've lied, pal, when you said that the kids need the jab because COVID is very serious for them. What do you think of that development? Well, I, I, that's happening in, in a lot of ways in different places. Um, it's, it's good, but I'm beginning to think that 
it is other responsible officials now trying to save their face. So the watchdog had to have known that he was being lied to at the beginning. Uh, you, you know, the complicity of so many people in this is why it's going to be hard to hold anybody accountable. So I think what the watchdog in Britain is doing, he's lining himself up with the truth for the first time. Right. Moving away from covering up for the uh, pharmaceutical industry. And I, we're going to see more and more of that. For example, um, just the other day, the um, Washington Post, the big newspaper in Washington, D.C., uh, it came out with a major article that said that the facts are now in and more, more than half of the people who died from COVID were vaccinated. Were vaccinated. Were vaccinated. And the, and the headline was, it's not a pandemic of the unvaccinated. So here is the newspaper that led the charge that lied through its teeth every day for three years. And now all of a sudden it's completely changed its tune. Amazing. So they are having to do that because study after study comes out showing the enormous rise in the death rate in every country. For example, today there's one showing in Denmark, once vaccination with the mRNA vaccine started, the excess deaths, that is the deaths far, in, far above the trend line, exploded. They just skyrocketed in every country for every age. And now this has come out in Denmark that as a result of vaccination, the death rate has exploded. And, and the D Danish government has said, you cannot give that vaccine to anybody under 50. So now we have Denmark, which was, of course, part of, oh, you know, yeah. oh, no, no vaccine unless you're over 50. So it's happening everywhere. We're, we're seeing people just drop dead. Athletes who everyone regarded in prime condition, entertainers, doctors, just all sorts of people that were just dropping dead. This has never happened before, ever, ever. Not I mean, on this scale, no. Dropping dead on the playground, yeah. dying in their sleep. No one has ever seen this. So it's, it's now sitting there honing all of the people who lied to us, uh, some intentionally for profit, uh, for power, and others because it was the thing to do. Do you think, so, sorry, Paul, do you think then what you're saying is in officialdom or where, where the decision makers believe that the dam is about to break and that they will not be able to conceal the damage that the vaccines have done to some people and because 
they expect the dam to break. Now they're covering their own backsides, basically, covering their own asses, as you might say there in the U.S.? Yeah, that's what they're trying to do by aligning themselves with the facts for the first time. You see, just the other day, uh, this Tony Fauci, who was the ringleader of the whole hoax, he's the one who financed the development of the virus. In Wuhan. First at the University of North Carolina. And when that became too hot because it had, it seemed to be a violation of the uh, convention against bioweapons, he moved it to Wuhan. And this is not a, a conspiracy theory. This is what the official NIH documents show. They've been released. There's no doubt about it. The U.S. senators, some of the U.S. senators have been all over him about it. Well, he was he was forced by the courts to testify. And um, so he was having to testify uh, yesterday and he couldn't give any evidence for many of his positions, including that masks were a necessary uh, thing to prevent transmission. They said, do you know of one study that supports your view? And he could not name one. Not one, because there isn't one. Isn't one. Yeah. So, so we see now accountability is they're trying to uh, establish it. Now, of course, really all of them involved should be arrested for murder and put on trial and hung. That's where all of them belong. But of course, that won't happen. But I think they're going to be discredited. And I think the public will in the future be far less willing to believe the lies of their own government, their own medical authorities, and all of that. Because what's also come out is that Fauci and other officials at NIH are joint owners of patents with the big pharma companies. And they receive every year six-figure incomes in addition to their federal salaries from big pharma as royalties on items that they themselves ushered through the approval process. So you have amazing conflicts of interest. Here is NIH executives, people like Fauci, and they are maneuvering the big farmers' drugs in through the approval process, and they have part ownership in them, and they are profiting by them. The same thing goes on at the CDC, which is the uh, Centers for Disease Control. And then it turns out that the United States Food and Drug Administration, which is the federal regulatory agency over all of this, that they have a constant uh, revolving door between the regulator and the regulated. The FDA uh, officials, the bureaucrats who approve drugs, if, they, if they're sufficiently compliant and helpful, then they move into million-dollar jobs with big pharma. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the whole process is just absolutely, totally corrupt. And the question is, to what extent can it be reformed? So that's where mm. I think we're going to see a lot of opposition 
to actually holding people accountable because when when the regulatory agencies are captured by the industries they're supposed to be protecting the public from then there's simply no protection there's simply offices of the people that are doing the damage and so that's very valuable to the corporations they'll do everything they can with campaign contributions lobbying all the rest to purchase the elected officials from doing anything much about it they'll have to do something because Uh, the public is aware becoming increasingly aware i'll never forget about two not not quite two years ago but about um a year and a half ago the woman who heads up the regulator here her name is june rain you'll know this and june rain is the basically the top woman at the medicines and healthcare regulatory authority mhra it decides which drugs gets get passed and not she went before a house of commons committee poll and she was asked a very good question by one of the mps in attendance one of the members of parliament she was asked to describe what the mhra does now i've been a journalist um, pretty much more most of half my life you're a journalist and, 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 and a writer. You would expect her to say that it is the regulator's job to scrutinise to the nth degree any drug that comes into the country to make sure that it's safe for human consumption. My job is to be robust. She actually said, and I, I, I have the clip and I do play it sometimes, she said that she sees her job as the regulator to provide access, Paul, to the big pharmaceutical companies. I've never heard a more extraordinary answer in all my life of covering politics. <laughs> amazing. She didn't it's say, amazing. amazing. My job is to make sure these guys don't kill you, is what she should have said, or to, to make sure that these guys don't give you poisonous um, medicines. But no, she said, my job is to provide access. I've got to ask you for your opinion on this because it's, it's um, so relevant to what we're talking about today. The G20 met in Bali for a few days, as you are well aware. Um, The meeting ended about a week or so ago. And as is the norm, when they finish their G20 meeting, they sign a declaration every time. And this time they signed a declaration. uh, There's like 25 paragraphs in it. And one of them was a declaration that they would use health passports, that people would have to carry health passports on their on their smartphones or smart devices, and um, that they would capitalise on the existing standards of digital COVID-19 certificates. So they all agreed that COVID passports and people carrying some health data on on their phones is, is going to be a thing of the future. Now, you and I won't be surprised by that, but um, it's pretty blatant now, Paul, isn't it? There, there doesn't seem to be any attempt to cover this stuff up anymore. It's out there in your face now. Yeah. Yeah, it's in your face. It's, it, they're still trying to use um, the momentum they gained with all of the fear they created with uh, COVID and the acceptance they created of, uh, of um, coercion of people, such as being locked down and all of that. Uh, to go on with their ability 
to um, document us 24 seven. We're, we're documented, watched, controlled continually. And you can't move without some sort of document with their approval. So yes, it's, um, I don't know if people are going to stand for it. You know, when, when you see the millions of people in, in China, yeah. <laughs> giving the finger to the government there, uh, I just don't know if they're going to stand for it or not. And I don't know if, if the documents they require for travel will just end up stopping travel and, and the airlines will go broke and the hotels and the vacation sites. All of that's possible if the authorities push too much. My own hope is that enough people will comprehend uh, the deception of COVID to have no trust whatsoever in any public or private institution. Because it wasn't just governments who did this in the United States, it was medical societies. It was the entirety of corporate medicine. It was medical boards. And even today, there are medical boards taking away the licenses of doctors who actually saved lives by not following Fauci's protocol. The doctors like Peter McCullough, who saved thousands of lives with ivermectin, now they have yanked his board certificates. They're punishing him for showing them up. And what we have in the United States is almost the destruction of the of the medical system because the doctors are being forced out of private practice into corporate medicine where they are employees. And once the doctor is the employee, he has to follow the protocols handed down by corporate medicine. That's why so many people uh, died from during the COVID, because the protocol was you cannot treat them with ivermectin or HCQ. The protocol was, oh, if you get sick with COVID, go home. If you're not better in a week or two and you can't breathe and come to the hospital and we'll kill you with a ventilator. If you want to know the honest truth, nobody died from COVID. They died from not being treated. And that was the protocol enforced on corporate medicine. Now, the doctors in private practice who treated and saved lives, and there were large numbers of them who did that, they're now after the most visible of those, the medical boards are. And you might say, well, why? How does this work? Well, it turns out that the big pharmaceutical companies, they are they su- they supply about 70% of the funding for medical research so if you're a medical researcher you're a, a, you know a, a, you're dependent on the grant from big pharma and so you do their purpose if you don't your career's over they also control medical schools by huge grants and donations of money to medical schools so they affect the curriculum that's taught. And of course, we know they corrupt the regulatory agencies. We've already talked about this in this program, you know, the FDA, the 
NIH. So you have a situation where Big Farmer essentially is destroying any independence in the American medical system. The doctors are simply becoming employees that have to do what they're told. And prescribe what they're told. Do you know that the government in this country wants to roll out a nationwide water fluoridation program? Do you know that? In this, no. Yeah, amazingly. Um, some parts of the UK are fluoridated, some water supplies, but not many. They want to bring it in on the on, on the premise, on the pretext that it's going to do a lot of good for people. It's going to, you know, help their teeth. It's going to prevent tooth decay. But we know that some very serious studies were done in China in the last 20 years that suggest that fluoridation doesn't do anything for teeth. And in fact, it has a very um, serious neurological effect on people when they take it uh, over, t- over time. And there are people who listen to this program and they'll be people who read paulcraigroberts.org, they'll be on your website, intelligent people, and they will say, Richie, they want a docile, submissive, subservient nation of people. One of the ways to do that is give give them fluoride in the water. Yeah, the previous health secretary, uh, a guy called Sajid Javid, he may have been the previous one, but two maybe. Yeah, he announced plans for a nationwide fluoridation programme. Imagine medicating people, putting industrial waste into the water supply and telling people it's for their own good. Again, Paul, the mask is off now. Uh, yes, it is. There have been a lot of studies in the United States. And uh, what fluoride also does, it causes thyroid problems. And it's especially dangerous to older women. It really uh, screws up their thyroid. And I was for six years president of the local water company here, and I would not allow any fluoride. It's a local decision here. But in most cases, the water's fluorided because... um, the it's in the fluoride they use, Richie, is basically an industrial waste. Yeah, it's disgusting. It's not. It? It's not a. You know, it's not a proper thing. Uh, and but that's beside the point because whether it's uh, industrial waste or not, uh, it's damaging. And so here it's it's hit and miss, but so much of the processed food and the soft drinks, you know, like Coca-Colas and and beer, they're they're made with fluorided water. So fluoride is in everything. It's in everything, isn't it? It's in everything. So it's pointless to come along and fluoride the local water supply because it's already in everything everybody's eating, all processed foods, you know, all soft drinks, uh, beers. Hey, Paul, let let me ask you this, my friend. Um, I didn't know that you, for a time, were the president of the local water board. Tell me, how much pressure was was brought on you to to agree to fluoridation? Was there a lot of pressure? Did you have to kind of fight pretty hard against them? Uh, No, I didn't, because uh, nobody wanted it. Brilliant. It wasn't a campaign of users to... Most of it is imposed on you by liberals who want a virtue signal. Oh, we're saving the children's teeth, and why aren't you helping us? 
that's where most of the fluoridation pressure comes from. In some cases, it may just be the firms with industrial waste and they want to get money for it and dump it on you and they may come and bribe you. Um, but here, and, and ever since I stepped down, no president here has allowed any fluoride in the war. Fantastic. So we don't, now, if there is fluoride, then you have to go buy uh, um, spring water from a store or else you're going to poison your dog and cat. Or get a distiller. A lot of people are buying distilling devices, Paul. Yeah. To distill the water. Yeah, I don't have one, but there isn't any water, any fluoride in the tap water here in uh, Greater Manchester. Not, not yet, anyway. But th these are serious. You, folks, you're listening to Paul Craig Roberts, by the way, just in case you didn't know, but you do know. Paul's website is paulcraigroberts.org. He is a journalist, author, and former U.S. Assistant Secretary of the Treasury. We've got about 10 or 12 minutes left. I wanted to ask you. I don't have your experience. I, 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 I often make predictions and they don't often come to pass. I think climate change as as a stick to beat the population with to get people to accept all manner of tyranny. Climate change looks like to me like it's going to be on steroids this agenda, Paul. How, how do you see it there in the US? Yeah, well, it's a, it gives them more control. So clearly governments and bureaucracies like it. Um, it there doesn't really seem to be any scientific case for it. It is true that we're having a warming spell, but there's no evidence that we're the cause of it because there have been warming and cooling spells throughout history. Yeah. And, and so what they've done, they see an opportunity for more power over us, but also the corporations see a chance to make money off trading certificates to pollute. So you have two powerful interests there, government bureaucracies that won't control, corporations who can make money. And so they're pushing this, but it's based on a warming trend that, that might go away, and which always has. We just have these cycles of so things get warmer and then they get cooler and they get warmer and they get cooler. And there's so many possible explanations that to be blaming it on man-made emissions, there, there's just simply not the evidence. There is evidence that we're going through a warming period, but there's nothing unusual about that. There's a great professor, an Australian gentleman, you know who he is. His name is Ian Plymer, and he's written about this subject for many years. He's one of the world's leading geologists, He's got a book out at the moment called Green Murder. He's coming on this program this week for uh, an extended interview. He's a genius of a man, but he's pretty much banned from everything, you know, from every radio show. And he, he said exactly what you said. He said we've had what he calls glaciation periods for hundreds and thousands of years, if not millions. And he says we're in... Uh, a warming period at the moment. We're still on the way out of the most recent glaciation period, the most recent ice age. And he says, so it's going to be a little bit warmer. But um, he says there isn't a shred of evidence that 
man is adding to, to this problem. Yes, man is dirty and we pollute and we destroy rivers and seas, but that's a different issue entirely. I'll tell you what, Paul, they're very clever, aren't they? Because they manage to conflate those two issues, don't they? Or mix those two issues together when in fact they're yeah. not the same issue. Pollute, right. Yeah, they're very good at that. Yeah. They, they have taken advantage of environmentalists who have legitimate concerns about air quality and water quality and they've roped them into this man-made global warming. In other words, you know, the argument, you know what the argument is, we're burning up the earth. Yeah. And, but, the, you know, they give that far more worry than they do the possibility of getting in a nuclear war with the Russians or Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> that would certainly burn it up. <laughs> and do you think, can I ask you about that? Because if we've ever butted heads over the years, once or twice, and we've had disagreements, but never too serious, it's on the whole Russia-China um, dynamic. Do, do, do you think that somebody could blink? You know, is, is it possible, do you think, for someone to deploy nuclear? I like to think, Paul, that if Xi Jinping or or Rishi Sunak in the UK, or Emmanuel Macron in France, if any of these people were about to press that button, that metaphorical button, I like to think one of the generals would murder them straight away. Because it's the end of everything if they start firing these things. But do you think there is a a legitimate concern about nuclear weapons? I do. Um, you know, I went through the Cold War and um, the tensions now are far worse. Worse. Furthermore, during the Cold War, uh, both the Soviet leaders and the American presidents were doing all they could to reduce tensions and to make all kinds of agreements. You may remember all the agreements that Richard Nixon made. Yeah. You know, and. <clears throat> And then uh, all the presidents were like that. And, uh, but now, the, what the presidents have done since Clinton is to destroy the agreements that were made. So all of the progress that was made over those decades has been uh, taken back. And their tensions are, are horrendous and the constant provocations of the Russians and the Chinese by Washington. It's just unbelievable. Nothing like that ever happened during the Cold War. Nothing. nothing. And so the tensions are extremely high, and you can tell from the public statements of, of uh, from uh, Putin or Lavrov uh, that, as they understand it, the West intends to destroy them that the goal of the West is to destroy them, their independence. And so you get them convinced of that, and then all of the disinformation about the war in Ukraine, no, the Russians are going to lose. I, I read in the, in the Telegraph a day or two ago, um, Ukraine will be in Crimea by Christmas. Yeah, I mean, this is absurd. It's absolutely, totally absurd. But you, if you convince yourself and your people that the Russians are easily defeated, you can very quickly find yourself making a fatal mistake. 
And Washington is full of these neoconservatives, and they are determined to have American hegemony over the world. They want Putin just as obedient as the British prime minister, the French president, the German chancellor, the Canadian premier, or whatever the fool's called. They want the Russians and Chinese to be just as obedient. It's not going to happen. And so, yes, I think when you make the tensions worse, you remove all of the arms control and other agreements, all the things put in place to prevent any kind of a fatal mistake being made, and then you increase the provocations of people who can blow you off the face of the earth, and then you convince yourself that you can defeat them because even Ukraine is beating the Russians. They'll be in Crimea by Christmas. This kind of craziness, yeah, you could very easily get a nuclear war. And you think we, we're, we're, we're closer than ever before. But, closer than ever before. But, but the, the Russian president doesn't strike me as being a particularly stupid man. I hear your point and I understand why you are thinking as you are, that if they have nothing to lose, the possibility becomes greater. But, but wouldn't he know that even striking first is not going to prevent your own country to be destroyed and ultimately there would be nothing left anywhere? And I'm, not, I'm not worried about Putin striking first. I'm worried about the fools in Washington. Right. There's no intelligence there. None. There's no intelligence. Biden's on the way out, though, Paul, isn't he? Biden, I should give him his proper... I, I, I criticise the mainstream media for referring to the Russian president as Putin, so I shouldn't do the same thing. Um, US President Joe Biden doesn't look well. I don't happen to find that funny. You know, we've all had family members with uh, dementia and, and Alzheimer's. So however bad Biden might be, I don't think it's funny that he's not well. But he's not well, and he's obviously unfit for office. I don't think he'll be around, Paul. Who do you think is likely? Uh, as it's, I know it's a stupid question because it's so early, and you don't know who's going to run, who's going to stand. But who might be the best person uh, who might, uh, as far as you're concerned, de-escalate this sort of thing? Who, who might be the one? I can't think of no. anyone among the Democrats. They, they have no leaders. And it's very difficult to think of any among the Republicans. So when I say there's no intelligence in Washington, I'm not just speaking about Biden. Yeah. I'm speaking about everything that's there, including the CIA. There's simply no intelligence there. There's arrogance, hubris, people who are unaccountable and haven't been accountable for who knows how long, since they killed President Kennedy in 1963. You've got all this arrogant, unaccountable, hubristic people, and they're capable of any mistake. So that's, and if you look, why do we purposely interfere in the internal affairs of Russia and China? For example, what, the, what was the point of Pelosi going to Taiwan when we have already, for, for decades now, acknowledged there's one China and that Taiwan is part of China? That's been our policy since Nixon in the 70s. 
the early 70s, 50 years ago. So why why is the Biden regime going there now and trying to support the notion that Taiwan is an independent country? Yeah. You think that doesn't make China angry? Yeah. And I it mean, go, yeah, it goes back to something I believe. I I know you don't agree with this. So I'm not I'm not, you know, going I'm not looking for a, for an argument, but I I've not believed for some time that People like Biden and, say, Tony Blair, David Cameron, Boris Johnson, I don't believe they, they act of their own volition. I believe the policies and the initiatives that they come up with are basically given to them. They just read them. and. Oh, I believe the same thing. Yeah, you know, these people are not in charge, really, are they? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, there's a... You see, I think the, the British do what Washington wants them to do just like the French, just like the Germans. So, uh, and just like the Swedes and the Finns and all the rest. So what controls things is what controls Washington. And what is that? Well, it's hard to really know. And so we call it the deep state. It's the, the permanent forces and the most permanent and, and, unaccountable and unknown is the covert part of the CIA. They're simply not accountable. No one knows even Nobody knows. who they are. Uh, you can't even know about their budget. I mean, the Congress doesn't even know. We don't even know where it comes from. I mean, I was uh, I was a staff associate of the defense, the House Defense Appropriations Subcommittee. I had all the clearances. I was supposed to be able to advise the members about, you know, the funding and where it was. Well, you just can't find out. It's just not available. So that's part of it. And then we have all of the powerful interests that have taken over the regulatory agencies? I mean, who do you think writes the laws? It's the it's the lobbyist of the private companies. It is, of the pharmaceutical companies. It is, yeah. yeah. All of them, the military, industrial, the pharmaceutical, the energy, the mining, the agriculture. They write the laws, and then they take them to the members of the House and the Senate to whom they make generous political campaign contributions and the members of the House and Senate know they got to have that money to get elected. And if they don't do what the lobbyist wants, the lobbyist is going to give it to their opponent. Absolutely. Get rid of them. So yeah. the, that's where the laws come from. So you see, it's not a simple thing about who governs. There are, there are a number of these powerful interests and they're all governing in their interest in one way or the other. And sometimes they come, there are conflicts between them, but they get settled because they don't want to disrupt something that's working so well for them. And somewhere in there, you've got the covert division of the CIA. And, you, you know, the president who allowed that to be created was Harry Truman. And after he left office, he wrote a letter to the New York Times and said the worst mistake he made in office was permitting a covert division of the CIA, that he was very sorry he had made that mistake. 
And then we learned later from Eisenhower that um, the military security complex, that's the defense contractors and the CIA, are a threat to democracy. And that we needed to do something about it because nobody did. And again, that was 60 years ago. Yeah, the next president in was murdered. Assassinated, yeah. That's yeah. Right. That's right. The next one, and the next one was the one who said he was going to break the CIA into a thousand pieces. That's right. And he was going to take the power away from the Federal Reserve and he was going to, yeah. yeah. Could, last they, week, of course. Well, he was really, he was quick to kill. They didn't, they, they, that's right. Any number of people. Paul, uh, for today, we're just about out of time. Folks, go to paulcraigroberts.org, please. Uh, check out Paul's website and where you can please support his work. This is the independent media. We don't have advert advertisers or lots of advertisers, um, you know, paying our uh, bills. So check out paulcraigroberts.org. And when you do read Paul's articles and share them, um, do support him as well. You've been listening to the former U.S. Assistant Secretary of the Treasury, the man, uh, the great man that is Paul Craig Roberts. Paul, thanks for your time today. If we don't, because uh, time, look at it now, it's already November 28th. If we don't speak this side of Christmas, I hope it'll be early January, but if we don't, uh, just a Merry Christmas to you and yours and thanks for coming on um, so often during the year and sharing your experience with us because I really enjoy it. Thank you, Paul. Well, thank you very much, Richie. I appreciate you sharing your audience and all the best to you. Thank you, Paul. Paul Craig Roberts, live on Monday's Richie Allen radio show. Again, the website is paulcraigroberts.org. Check him out today. It is seven minutes past the hour. It's, uh, God, it's flying, boy. And we've got uh, Dr. Jason Dean coming up in just under 10 minutes time. That's going to be fascinating too. Colds, seasonal flu and respiratory diseases, a nuisance, but we all get them. Now more than ever, it is essential to have a robust immune system. Inspired by the Zelenko Protocol, Immune X365 is a unique formulation that combines effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2, as well as zinc and quercetin. Take back your health with just two capsules of Immune X365 every day. As a special launch offer to UK listeners of The Richie Allen Show, you will receive a discount of 15% by using the code RichieAllen365 at checkout. Go to immunex365.co.uk to get yours now and with free two-day track delivery. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support The Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. And thank you, Patricia Brownsfiler. This is good. She says, Kerry Mullis, who got a Nobel Prize in 93 for inventing the uh, PCR test he did of course which was used to diagnose COVID cases said of Anthony Fauci the the US chief medical advisor the government's chief medical advisor that he lacks knowledge of medicine and is willing to lie on telly Mullis also said uh, in a set of videotaped remarks that a PCR test doesn't tell you that you're sick. Here's Kerry Mullis' quote. He said, guys like Fauci get up there and start talking. You know, he doesn't know anything really about anything. And I'd say that to his face. Nothing, said Kerry Mullis. Thanks for that, Patricia. Thanks for your comments, by the way. You can engage with other listeners on richieallen.co.uk where it says comment live. Do that, yeah. Okie doke. Diane says, Paul is obviously a good listen. 
no, she didn't, is always a good listen. Thank you uh, for that. Um, hi to Jamie, who says, whether you think they are chemtrails or contrails, no one can deny that they spread out over the sky and block the sun. So, yes, we are affecting the weather. Yeah, well, that's true as well. Absolutely right. Uh, Brian says, I agree the globalist corporate interests want totalitarianism. It's attractive to them as it means depopulation, power and control. Pandora says, Richie, invest the mere 60 bucks that it costs in a distiller. The taste difference alone is unbelievable. It's funny you say that because Peter Ebden, the great Peter Ebden, Peter sent me a link about a year ago to a company that produces distillers in the UK. But at the time, there was a quite a long waiting list. Quite a long waiting list. They must have been inundated with requests for distillers. And I kind of put it then on the back burner, as it were. But I'm definitely going to look into that. We drink a, a, a bottled water. I drink a bottled water now. The the other half, the better half, she drinks a carbonated bottled water. I drink a still bottled water. I don't drink tap water. But it isn't fluoridated here in the UK. But it's not just the fluoridation that's the concern, is it really? It's not just the fluoridation. It's everything else that's in the water. Estrogen and, you know, antibiotics and everything else, you know. Herself says, good for Paul. No fluoride for his town, but he made he made a good point, didn't he? That it gets you or it gets to you in other ways through your soft drinks, through your Coca Colas and your Pepsi Colas and your Seven Ups and and what have you. Yeah, so it's it's not entirely straightforward to avoid it, uh, you know, to totally avoid fluoride. As I said, the UK government wants to introduce fluoridation across the country, and it wants to take the decision for that out of the hands of local authorities. Yeah, I I, I, I I struggle to remain calm and not to rant when I think about that, uh, the cheek of them. So I will remain calm and I won't rant. It's 12 minutes past the hour. Michelle says, distillers cost quite a lot in electricity. My bills went up noticeably when I was using one, so we switched to a gravity filter. I have to say this, Michelle, I've never heard of a gravity filter. I'll have a look online later on because that sounds interesting. Um, never heard of it, but um, it sounds like it's something I should know about. It is exactly 12 and a half minutes past the hour. You're Richie Allen Show live from BBG Towers in Salford. When I return, I'll be talking transhumanism and children with Dr. Jason Dean. And to take us there... Here is the police, the great police, and every breath you take. That is uh, the police and every breath you take. It's a quarter past six this Monday evening, uh, the 28th of November 2022. Good to be with you. Welcome back to the programme. I'm very, very interested in what my next guest has uh, to tell us because uh, this is a huge subject. 
Um, he believes that the next generation of people, that our children are being groomed to accept nanotech and transhumanism. And if we're not careful in how we raise our children, they will fall for it, the trap of transhumanism and enslavement will surely follow. He's backed up by the World Economic Forum, not that he needs to be backed up by the World Economic Forum, but they are saying this, saying that smartphones will be replaced with implants in our bodies by 2030. Imagine the horrors of that. You won't carry around a smartphone, you won't need to, you will be microchipped. And he is quoted as saying, Big tech is physiologically grooming your children to accept the technology. We need to wake up and to take our children back. I'm delighted to welcome to the programme Dr. Jason Dean. Jason, it's a real pleasure to have you on. Welcome. Thanks for having me on, Richie. I appreciate it. This is massive, Jason. It's massive because everywhere I look online, every newspaper I read in the UK, the Telegraph, the Guardian, the Daily Mail, they're talking about meta, the metaverse and how in the near future people will have so many of their social experiences in the metaverse. We won't need to go to see Bruce the Boss Springsteen in the giant stadium anymore. We'll be able to put devices on and implants on and we'll be transported there to to, to, to the stadium and to all intents and purposes we will feel that we are there. And this sounds so exciting on the one hand, but it isn't. You've described it as enslavement and they're selling this to children. Do you think almost, Jason, that they're selling it to the adults through the children? They're going after the children first. Oh, absolutely, 100%. So, I mean, they, it's not necessarily so much, I mean, the adults, they kind of already have in a way, and the adults will kind of go into it because of a monetary situation. They're going to tie this to money. And so, obviously, you know, parents have to pay the bills, et cetera. But really where you get them is you get the kids. And, you know, Lenin talked about getting socialization or socialism or communism, Marxism through healthcare. And that's how you bring down America, the kind of the last great beacon of freedom over here is how we look at ourselves. But what they do is they're going to grab the kids. If you grab the kids, just like Hitler did, you grab the entire population and they're doing this. I mean, we over here, you see AirPods in people's ears all over the place. People are using their fingerprints on their phones. Um, Disney, I live in Florida. Disney has biometrics just to get into the park where you have to put your fingerprint on, phones have it, et cetera. And what they've done now is you see iWatches on everybody's arms, you see Fitbits, uh, Aura Rings, and all these new generations of tech are actually tied directly to your phone. And when you approve or agree to the, you know, the privacy statements of the company, you're actually agreeing to give up your health records that they can see it. The World Economic Forum actually did uh, secret studies behind the scenes, taking people's data from their Fitbits and their iWatches to look at their sleep patterns, et cetera. And so now they're rolling out for Christmas, just in time for the holidays. They're rolling out smartwatches for kids so that they can tie kids to their parents' phones. So you're 100% right. If you grab the kids, you're going to have them. There's a Disney movie called Big Hero 6 where they actually they promoted in a movie, which obviously kids are watching. They promoted nanotechnology and nanobots where they actually had a kid in there, the main, the main character in it, the cartoon. He was using a headband that was connected to the internet to make these nanobots self-organize in the computers. Well, that's what they just put in the vaccine. So they're slowly rolling this out. You're exactly right. Let's come back to the vaccine in a moment. I'm fascinated by that. I live in a place called Salford in Greater Manchester, about a mile from Manchester city centre. 
there's five or six schools in the area. I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a keep fit guy myself, so I go out running every day, jogging. I'm not breaking any records, Jason, but I do my best. And uh, <laughs> I see youngsters. It's a horrible thing, and I'm not exaggerating this. I do not pass a youngster who isn't looking at their phone. It never happens that I would Absolutely. pass a kid that isn't actually dangerously walking on the footpath on the pavement on on the phone and I find that just an extraordinary thing the addiction to me it just looks like naked addiction right yes and I don't know if it's the same over there but we have the same problem here I mean I'm in physical practice I see people in a practice with my wife and you know we try to teach the natural way we're natural healthcare chiropractic etc but we have people over here I mean parents are no longer parents that's part of the problem I don't know if it's the same over there but kids are on iPhones or on tablets Parents are no longer even communicating with their kids. They literally put them in front of the new babysitter, which is the electronic device, and they call it a day. It's 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 unbelievable, and I'm assuming that it's happening over in European countries as well. It's happening here, and didn't somebody do a study? I know the Telegraph and the Times in the UK covered this. Haven't they looked at children's brains under MRI, Jason? You're listening to Dr. Jason Dean, by the way. Pay attention to this if you have children. It's very important. Um didn't they look at the children's brains under MRI and you can see negative physiological changes in the brain when they're using the devices? Absolutely. So what they did was they've done it for technology, but they've also done it for things like sugar as well as cocaine. And quite honestly, it's, it's astonishing. So very similar brain wave in brain centers light up with sugar, cocaine, and now games, gaming, technology, et cetera. Literally, it's basically give them a dopamine rush, a reward system to the point where they stay in the game. We, I, I grew up playing video games with my brother and we were allowed to play for about an hour a day. It was pretty simple Nintendo and Sega yeah. stuff, you know, some, some kind of cool PlayStation. And then we went outside and we played the rest of the day outside because it was more fun. These kids are now, people are getting paid to stream video games now. I never thought this would happen. Dr. Jason Dean is on. Go to bravetv.com. There's a, a wealth of information on Jason's website, bravetv.com. We're talking transhumanism. And Jason, is that the ultimate goal then, number one? And number two, who's responsible for it and why? Is the ultimate goal to, to take the humanity out of civilization to merge us with technology where we become something that isn't quite human anymore and if that's the case who desires such an outcome and why yeah no absolutely 100 percent. I, I use the boil the frog analogy and the fact that if you throw a frog in boiling hot water the frog's going to jump out because it's smart however if you put the frog in lukewarm or room temperature water and then you slowly raise the temperature over time it doesn't know it's being boiled. And the next, then the, the next thing you know, the frog is dead. Well, we are in, a, in America and across the world now, because it's not just America. It's the World Economic Forum is running this whole show. And there's elites above them who you probably don't even know or haven't heard of who have all this money. They're printing it. So what they're doing is they're, people think that we're going to see robots on the streets tomorrow. Well, that's not how it works. What they're going to do is they're going to slowly using these nanotechnologies, these electronics, et cetera. Someday you won't even need a phone because it'll just be in your eyes. You'll have, you'll have glasses to put on or contact lenses. I mean, they already have this technology that's out there. Over time, they're going to slowly turn the person into a unconscious being, just the body walking around that just does what it's told. So it doesn't necessarily need to be a robot. You just, you suppress the consciousness, you destroy the soul, you get the kids where they are right now. So you get them way ahead of time. And what you have is you have transhumanism is a bunch of human robots walking around who are no longer connected to anything. 
They're not connected to life. They're not connected to reality. They're not connected to God or source or creation. They're literally just doing everything they're told by a television or the electronics in their hand. And you think they'll be living in these metaverse type deals? You know, they'll spend a lot I mean, of time. We're already seeing it. Yeah. The thing about that, we're I, already seeing it. And do you know what I was stunned by last year when 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 Meta got a lot of press? What really grabbed me was this notion of people buying real estate inside the simulation. I just right, I, I couldn't the real believe estate it. that doesn't exist, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, it's it's a they've developed an entire economy in there where people are buying stuff that doesn't exist and they don't live in a reality anymore. That's madness. You know, that reminds me of the old joke, you know, if you believe that, I've got some beachfront property in Nevada to sell you. You know, and, and yet and yet they do, they're doing it. it it's, on the one hand, it's funny that people can be so gullible and, and not see this. Dr. Jason Dean is our guest. What you said about nanotech in the COVID jabs is controversial, but then you're a very bright guy, so you know it's controversial. I just don't know. I've. It's not that I'm being the devil's advocate. I just don't know. I've not seen any hard evidence that they've, you know, impregnated, for want of a better word, the, the jabs with, with, with nanobots. And yet I kind of believe that it's something they would desire to do in the future. But is there hard evidence, Jason, that they've done it with these COVID jabs? Have you seen it? They're, they're definitely putting nanoparticulates into it. So there's a, there's a bunch of studies out there. There's also one called not graphene oxide, graphene hydroxide as well which is actually out there as well. But let me give you this, and, and I'll tell you where it's going to go. So it is definitely going towards that direction. There's a, there's a woman named Donna Wang. Uh, her husband was arrested, Eugene Yu, because he actually helped subvert the American elections. And then her, the, the wife, Donna, actually works at Michigan State University. Rice University is also doing this. They're actually working with Tesla Phoresis, which is they're taking nanobots, nanotechnology, and they're connecting them. And they're actually working on it in cardiology and vaccines and graphene oxide. So they're actually putting this out there. They've been studying it since er, as early as 2013, but I think it was actually earlier than that. So they're actually already doing it. Michigan State works on it where they can actually control nanoparticles from a distance. And you can actually go on YouTube on that. You can look up Tesla Varesis, Rice University, Michigan State. It's all there. So there is there's some evidence of it now. They're still trying to get more hard evidence. But I will tell you, they're already working on it for the future because I already have that data. DARPA is about one of the most evil companies on planet Earth. Well, well, it's it's the technology wing of the Pentagon, isn't it? So it's not really a company, yep. but it's like something from a James Bond movie, isn't it? Really, what goes on there? Yes, yeah. They um, so DARPA and and tying into the vaccine. So DARPA is actually already working on something called smart dust. It's already out there. So they actually spray smart dust already. They they've been doing it with chemtrails and obviously. The, you know, people call, talk, talk about a conspiracy in chemtrails. We see it every day here in the U.S. I mean, look in the skies. It's not normal. But they actually, DARPA works with smart dust, where they're actually making dust out of particulates. They want to use it in agriculture as well as satellites, et cetera. So they're already working on that, where each smart dust is its own microprocessor. And that's not my, that's not my conspiratorial mind. No, it's that's actually there. on DARPA website. Yeah, it's out there. They've been de- developing these things for, for a long time. It's it's just horrible to to, to 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 you know to to say it out loud that, that that this stuff is going on. You you will know that Manchester in the UK is the centre of the graphene universe. You know that, don't you? At the University of Manchester, yeah, yep. it's astonishing. Yep, I've read that. A friend of mine, um, recently retired security guard, um, great guy. He's never seen anything like the security there, Jason. Nothing like. Wow, it. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah. It's just nobody knows what's going on there. 
It's it's incredible. Oh. It's like something from a film, really. Um, how would you describe graphene to um, somebody who's never heard the term before? It's a, it's a material, isn't it, that can be applied right across any industry you can think of. It's a, how would you explain yeah, it's very, it? It's, very, it's, like, it's like a black pepper. I, I, I would liken it to this. Um, back when I was a kid, there was a little game that we had where you had a magnetic pen and you had a person, like there was a, there was a little person with plastic over it. You used to like move the pen around and there was this black dust underneath the plastic that used to move with you. You could make little designs or almost like an Etch-A-Sketch. It's, it kind of looks like that, but it's much more microscopic and very small to the point where you can't see unless you group it all together. But with different electrical and magnetic energies, you can actually move this stuff around. It can actually create networks and it can create computers. It's actually intelligence. So when you put that in a car or technology, but you can also put that in a human and you can make that move from different directions. So it's like, I mean, they want it in their brain. They, they've actually admitted this. They want to connect your people's brains to the cloud. Well, you do that with nanobots. That's actually on YouTube. Neil deGrasse Tyson talked about it. Ray Kurzweil talked about it. Yeah. So you can only do that with nanobots and graphene oxide. I know that just from reading a little bit about you, um, it's Dr. Jason Dean, by the way. Jason is in private practice um, with his wife in Florida. Check out the website bravetv.com. It's a great website. I know that you're a spiritual man um, from reading about you and that you um, your faith is important to you. Where are the religious leaders? Because I, I'm agnostic, Jason. Um, um, forgive me for being agnostic, but I am. I don't know where I am with God. Maybe I'll find it's God. Okay. Yeah, I might find God one day, and I, and I don't say that to be flippant. God might find me, maybe. Where are our spiritual leaders on this? Because it sounds, again, not to be flippant, it sounds satanic, this. Yeah, I think, honestly, uh, over here in the States, I know, uh, so many have sold out. They, unfortunately, the religious system, and, and when, I, when you say spiritual, I'm a spiritual individual. I'm not a religious individual. I don't yeah. like the church system. I don't like how it's become. I'm probably very similar to you in that, that phase. Um, I'm more of a creationist as in, hey, something created all this. There's an energy to life. There's a, there's a soul. There's a being. But unfortunately, we've disconnected from that because everything over here, religion, has become big money. And even during the elections, um, pastors, leaders walked away because they didn't want to lose the money that was going into the coffers of the church. So uh, you have to talk to individuals here. You have to talk about their spirituality, people that actually believe that there's actually something higher, that something that we all are living for, and there's something that is actually good in, in the world. So I, I lean towards that and I connect to that. But absolutely, the entire system here in America has to be shut down. We have to restart over, not in a great reset standpoint, but from a spiritual yeah. reset. Because we, we've lost our leaders. Our leaders have all bought out to this system and now the people have to stand up. On the children, there's huge interest in this coming from our listeners. We're live on um, richieallen.co.uk but also on the TuneIn app and on Fab Radio 2 in uh, the great city of Manchester. You're listening to Dr. Jason Dean. On the children, I'm getting a little bit of pessimism from some listeners. They're saying, what can we do? Like, I mean, they love these devices. They get excited. You see it, Jason, when, when Apple releases something. They queue for days. We used to queue for tickets for concerts when we were, when we were, when we were younger to see a great band. Uh, they're queuing around the block for a week, for 10 days. Is there any way you can break that? you know, that cycle of, of children being in the grip of this technology and being so excited about the latest gadget. What can we do? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm a technology guy too. I mean, I use it every day, podcasting and talking to great people like you. Uh, I, I, put the, I, I put the responsibility back on the parents. I, I look at myself every day too. I have a child. And so 
the responsibility is on the person and, you know, whether not being a parent anymore, parents want to be friends instead of actually parents now, at least over here. And, you know, everyone, I, I see it all over the place, AirPods in ears, iPhones in their face, kids with, with iPhones and tablets while their parents just sitting there. You know, I call me traditional, but I, I go back to growing up at a, at a family dinner or, you know, on Sundays or yeah. in the evening sitting down, there was no electronics at the table. We have to go back to a culture. Like we all have cultures. We're patriotic over here. We have an American culture. Over there, they have the UK culture. They have the Italian culture. We love those cultures. You can be patriotic in a different country. We have to go back to literally just going and saying, hey, we can use this technology, but first and foremost, we're humans. We're beings. We're, we're, we're souls. We can actually communicate with each other. We can actually be kind to each other and actually human. And so I ultimately put that back on us as parents, us as individuals. And do you preserve that, you and your wife, the, you know, the, the great tradition of family sitting down at the table and eating dinner together, as opposed to sitting on the sofa with a TV tray and watching The Simpsons? You, you, do, you do it the old way. Oh, I, I'm, I'm married into an Italian family. So we have, we have, my wife is an amazing doctor, but also an amazing cook. So we have dinner at the, at the uh, table. There's no electronics at the table each night. Plus, my family, my in-laws are Italian, so we every Sunday night there's dinner at the Italian table. There is no electronics; it's talking and eating. I know that we're pressed for time because you have a job to do and you have people to see, so I won't keep you too much longer. Um, it's been uh, educational speaking with you this afternoon, Jason. On on vaccine injury, I hate to even refer to the jabs as vaccines because, of course, they're not by by their own admission they're not vaccines. They don't prevent against illness. I I am hearing from people across, I'm obviously Irish with, with my accent, but I live in the UK. I'm hearing from people in Ireland, here in the UK, honest people who are saying, we've never seen so many people so sick um, with respiratory illnesses right now. We've also never heard of so many people um, dying suddenly. And as with my previous guest on the programme, we, we were speaking about that. What... What do we understand about the, oh, this is going to sound like a silly question because I don't expect you to have the answer, but um, the ratio, do we have any idea in terms of ratios? How likely is somebody to become seriously ill from a COVID jab? Because not everybody does become seriously ill. Do we have any idea of percentages or, or anything like that? I, I think it'll rise up. The, the problem is that the spike protein that was put in there, it goes in and it alters your DNA. So the, the DNA will actually start making more spike protein. So you have some people who are, you know, who are kind of surviving right now and being okay, but we don't know how long as that spike protein continues to build up, how much time they have. And, and I'm hoping, hey, I'm hoping we have a lot of saving going on and people don't fall to this, but also keep in mind, the majority of people that got this COVID jab, they're also going out and getting flu jabs. They're also going out and getting pneumonia jabs. Like the more you add on to this thing, the worse it actually gets. Plus on top of that, Harvard is already looking at they want to turn all the vaccine schedule over to mRNA vaccines, right? We already know this doesn't work. They're already trying to push it. So my hope is literally every day we're, we're busting our butts to try to save as many as we possibly can, educate, learn as much as we can. But ultimately, at the end of the day, people have to stop. They have to start making decisions for themselves. And we have to stop believing that some authority knows better. We have to turn back to, you know, whether agnostic or not, we have to turn back to nature and know that our answers are there and medicine is for emergency emergency help, right? But yeah, we're going to keep working at it and hopefully we save far more. But right now the stats don't look, don't look like, I mean, cancer over here is skyrocketing eightfold plus. And, and you think, because I've spoken to other doctors, again, the, the doctors who can't get an interview on, on mainstream radio or television, you think that one of 
the downsides there are many downsides to the jabs but you believe it it's, it's leading to an increased rate in cancer you believe that Oh, it's already showing. Yeah, I mean, we, we have some uh, great Twitter accounts over here that are actually just studying CDC data. Just the CDC owns data is showing that we have a problem and it's happened because of the COVID timing, the, the actual uh, quote unquote vaccine timing. But cancer's through the roof. We're seeing respiratory illnesses and practice it's through the roof. I mean, this this quote unquote flu season, um, this has been at least 10 times worse than we've ever seen it before. And, and you can, I mean, that's that's just it's just people coming in literally sick. They're having major issues. We've had people who die in practice because they had the vaccine, not from anything we did, but like the numbers are different this year. We can tell they're different just kind of by looking at experience. Well, uh, the the last thing I will say to you today, and thanks for coming on, is Dr. David Lloyd, who is a bit of a TV doctor. He speaks regularly with Sky News in the UK. Um, I ran some audio from him on on the programme last week. Uh, He almost verbatim said exactly what you said and this guy is a mainstream this guy is pushing the jabs you know what he said he told Kay Burley on Sky News that he's never seen people so ill uh, as this winter he said people are coming to him with all manner of problems not just uh, the respiratory problem they're coming to him very very ill and then he said and a lot of elderly people are succumbing it's almost like they're admitting it Jason a final word to you and thank you for your time today by the way Richie thank you I appreciate you having me on and helping educate everybody and it's Brave TV, of course. That's the website, isn't it? It's bravetv.com. Jason, all the best. God bless. Nice to speak to you. Bye for Thanks, now. Richie. Appreciate it. Dr. Jason Dean, live on Monday's Richie Allen radio show. The time, 23 minutes now to the top of the hour. Really interesting stuff, that, to say the least. Uh, what will I do? Will I take, I'll take a tune. When I come back, I'll be reading your comments. They are legion. You've been doing it to me. Haven't you? Yeah. This is Steely Dan, by the way. Had to double check there, do a double take. I mentioned Dr. I didn't mention Dr. Ian. Professor Ian Primer will be on the radio programme this week, live from Oz. He'll be getting up in the small hours of the morning uh, to come and talk to you and me about climate change and the climate crisis. You don't want to miss that. I think it'll be Wednesday of this week. Broadcasting live from Fab Radio 2, in Fab Radio 2, on Fab Radio 2, <laughs> on the TuneIn app and on my website. It's a Monday, you'll forgive me. Uh, it's, it's your Richie Allen Show. This is Do It Again from Steely Dan. Right, Steely Dan and Do It Again. Paul, Paul's come back to me, Paul Craig Roberts. Let's come back to me. Um, let me get rid of that. Very good catch uh, from Paul. This is a developing story. It happened today, he says. It's worth commenting on, Paul. Um, through a joint letter published today, the New York Times, The Guardian, Le Monde, that's in France, obviously, Der Spiegel in Germany, and El País uh, in Spain, which is the international edition of The Times, isn't it, The New York Times? Um, so The New York Times, The Guardian, Le Monde, Der Spiegel, and El País asked the United States to drop the Espionage Act charges against Julian Assange because it undermines press freedom. Twelve years ago, those American and European media released excerpts of the revelations obtained in 250,000 documents which were leaked to WikiLeaks by the then-American soldier Chelsea Manning. Following that leak, Washington began proceedings to indict Assange under, legis- under legislation designed to put World War I spies on trial. 
Publishing is not a crime, said those outlets, emphasising that Assange's prosecution under the Espionage Act sets a dangerous precedent and undermines the US First Amendment. Obtaining and disclosing sensitive information when necessary in the public interest is a core part of the daily work of journalists. If that work is criminalised, our public discourse and our democracies are made significantly weaker, the letter stated. This letter, jointly published by the New York Times, The Guardian, Le Monde, Der Spiegel, El Pais, uh, today saying that um, publishing is in the public interest a core part of the daily work of journalists. If that work is criminalised, our public discourse and our democracies are made significantly weaker. So um, this is an amazing development, uh, writes Paul to me. Assange has already been imprisoned without trial and convic- conviction. He's already been imprisoned without trial and conviction for a decade. He was in the Ecuadorian embassy for so many years, wasn't he, in London? Uh, all the while not to peep in his defence from the New York Times, The Guardian, Le Monde or Der Spiegel. Both The New York Times and The Guardian wrote in support of charges against Assange, writes Paul Craig Roberts. Why has it taken the media a decade to realise that to arrest journalists as spies for doing their jobs is a threat to all journalism? The Guardian actually turned against Assange after publishing some of the material that had been leaked to him. And Paul says to me, Richie, I've just checked the BBC and CNN and there is no mention of this development. Will the five newspapers follow up with attacks on the US government's phony case against Assange? Will the New York Times and The Guardian show their readers the case against the tyrannical US government? That's a really good stuff by Paul Craig Roberts. Go to his website, paulcraigroberts.org. So today, five newspapers published a letter, a joint letter, calling on the US to drop charges against Assange. You know that uh, the UK government is hell-bent. It's determined to extradite Assange to the United States, uh, which, of course, should not happen at all. That's a really good catch from Paul. Thank you, Paul. paulcraigroberts.org. Let me just um, get back to my website now, where I can read some of your comments. It's richieallen.co.uk, comment live. It's on the menu bar there. Very good. Still not being kicked off Twitter. Give it time. Lucy says that people are getting really sick. That's my observation, says Lucy. I've been keeping a note of folks I know of and would encourage you all to do the same. Pancreatic cancer features on my list. It says three times I've observed this. Three different people, all under 50. Other cancers, heart problems and sudden deaths. I wish other people could see what I see. Patrick says, and people must remember that not all the shots, maybe less than 50% early on especially, had the real bioweapon ingredients. Many people, including my mother and two of my brothers, had the saline placebo in my opinion says Patrick, and they've not been altered or damaged. It might depend on the location and the stance of the local authorities. Rural locations were safer, in my opinion, says Patrick. Thank you, Patrick. Yes. Okay. And herself came back on to say, please invite listeners in the New York City area to join us at 10 Columbus Circle this Wednesday from 3 to 6 p.m to voice opposition to the agendas promoted by uh, Netanyahu, she says, Volodymyr Zelensky, Mark Zuckerberg and others. Um, we'll be 
Oh, yeah, because they, they are gathering for the New York Times Book Summit. Ah, right, I get you. So 10 Columbus Circle joined to protest uh, the presence of Zelensky and Zuckerberg and Netanyahu and others gathering for the New York Times Book Summit. Let's make like the Chinese and show up and let them know we're not going to put up with any of this. It should be fun, says herself. Thank you for that. Okay. Patricia came back to say the majority of of level high school students in Zurich used to ride their bikes to classes. Now the majority take either the bus or the train to classes so they can stay on their smartphones and connect with social media. Needless to say, it is definitely having an impact on their physical health and giving them mental health issues, says Patricia. And Jean-Anne mentioned to me about developmental issues. If children are exposed from a very young age to smart technology, phones and tablets, it's having an impact on their development and on their communication skills. No doubt about that. No doubt in my mind about that. And a number of doctors have gone public here in the UK, and it has made it to the mainstream media, that lockdown itself, confining children to their homes where they spent a lot of time on computers, laptops and smartphones, has meant that they are not as developed as they should be. Many children, they're seeing it. Even their speech patterns have been affected by this. It's amazing, really, isn't it? Speaking of computers, Richie says, Christopher Yego, a classmate in my tourism course, would read in 20 minutes what we would be working on for the next three hours. He had no social skills at all, says Christopher. Okay. Uh, somebody called Scoosh recommends a film called The Big Reset Movie. There is a website, thebigresetmovie.com. Why not? And a number of people have recommended water filters. Thank you for that. Because we heard that the distill, the distilling process can be expensive. You can use a lot of energy. And God knows the bills are expensive enough as it is. Rob says, Richie, one point I think Paul might have been incorrect or one point where he might have misspoken was when he said that beer had fluoride in it being a home brewer I use reverse osmosis Richie oh say it again it's been a long day um, being a home brewer says Rob I use reverse osmosis water as it allows you to build a water profile for certain beer styles most big brewers will do the same our water is safe says Rob sorry it's a Monday. Our beer is safe, he says. Absolutely. Okay. Hi to Baird, who says, Richie, we pretty much stopped using our distiller. It works out not much cheaper than buying bottled water. With the electricity cost of it now, uh, we've stopped using the distiller. I also do not like the taste of it. Yet, that's interesting, Baird, because we've heard from other listeners who say that there is a great taste from distilled water. It's uh, coming up on 11 minutes to the top of the hour. It's a good one that I, I, I can't say with any great certainty that I um, um, I've ever tasted distilled water. I don't think I have, really. Like I said, I drink a lot of bottled water. I used to use a pretty awful filtration system for tap water. You know the one I'm thinking of, Brita. I used to use that just to take out the, the metallic taste of the water and get some of the, you know, easier to filter out ingredients, some of the dirt and the dust. And yes, it did make 
the water tastes a little softer. But ultimately, those water filter systems you buy in the supermarkets, they don't get the really bad stuff. Uh, they certainly don't get fluoride. Now, the water isn't fluoridated here in Salford, not yet. But as I said earlier on, this government is determined that it will be fluoridated in the very near future. Yeah, tyranny on steroids. I know. I know. Just in case I forget, just do that. Okay. Lovely. Great. Brilliant. Absolutely. Interesting development there on uh, Julian Assange's predicament, isn't it? Uh, with the eagle-eyed Paul Craig Roberts picking it up. Five newspapers signing a letter urging the US government to drop all charges against him. As Paul rightly pointed out, those newspapers haven't really done him very many favours, Assange, over the years. Why now? It's a good bloody question. Why? You've got to be suspicious. Everything that happens. I know it isn't. It's taxing. It's tiring. It gets, you, you know, it's, 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 it, it, there's a fatigue associated with that. Having to look into everything for a motive. Not being able to trust anything. Not being able to look at something and go, oh, well, that's good. These newspapers are doing the right thing. The fact that you can't do that and you have to imagine there's something else going on. What is going on? You know, what is going on? <clears throat> as for vaccine deaths or death as caused by mRNA, COVID jabs, it's pretty difficult to have any idea, I think. Nobody really has an idea. We know the jabs are killing people. We know some people are succumbing to the jabs. We know this. It's a fact. It's out there. We know this, right? But but what sort of percentage? is is It's difficult to, to, to tie that down, really, isn't it? You know, because not every claim made by a, a bereaved family member will be legitimate. They might mean well, but not every single claim of vaccine-induced death will be right. Some of them will be wrong. Not all of them. I mean, a lot of them will be right. You know, people. My, my, my dad took the jab. He was pretty healthy. He dropped dead two days later. He, that, that might be a, a safe bet. He, as, as, you know, as in the jab might have done that. The jab might be responsible for that, but it's difficult. It really is difficult to, to, to understand um, what the numbers are globally. What sort of numbers do we have? You know, there are people out there prepared to make guesses and stuff goes viral and stuff, but I tend to keep the water, uh, to keep the, the powder even dry. I, I don't know. I wouldn't touch a jab. I haven't had a jab. I haven't had a jab in my adult life. I took tablets for malaria many, many years ago when I was about to uh, fly out to Costa Rica. I took some tablets, I think, but I never took a jab. Um, you couldn't persuade, you couldn't give me all the money in the world to, to have a jab to prevent against an illness. I, I don't do that. You will be aware, we talked about this last week, that uh, scientists are now saying that they have a jab ready to go. A jab. And it will work for all 20 known strains of flu. It is an mRNA jab. This is an amazing thing. We talked about this last week. In, in light of the fact that the flu jab, which at the moment, they are pretty much beating people up to come and take. Um, Let me just look, because I, I don't like exaggerating. Let me just look. Let me tell you how many text messages have I had from GP surgery. That's what it's called, GP surgery. It's an automated thing. It isn't, it isn't even attached to a number. It just comes through to my phone. GP surgery, let's have a look. 
I have had three, four, let me go back, seven, seven. In November, I've had seven from my GP surgery, automated service, seven, inviting me to come and have the flu jab, which only works 7% of the time, they say. I, I don't believe it ever works. But they say 7% of, by their own admittance, they, they come up with the best guess, they make a jab based on a guess as to which flu strain will be dominant, which will be prevalent in society. They're wrong most of the time, no thank you. But seven times in November they've texted me to invite me to come for the flu jab. And foolishly, for a booster. I say foolishly because they must know I've never had a COVID jab. So why would they invite me for a booster? Seven times in November alone, coming at the flu jab. Coming at the flu jab. No thanks, I'll, I'll take my chances with flu. I've had flu before. Uh, sometimes it's not pleasant, but I get over it. And uh, it's usually a once a year thing, isn't it? I think I might have had my winter bug already a few weeks back. Touch wood. Please, God. That one was it. Now listen, that's about it for me today. Thanks for listening. Thank you to my guests, to Paul Craig Roberts. Thank you, Paul. And also to Dr. Jason Dean. Very interesting stuff from our guests today. Back with you tomorrow, Tuesday at 5 o'clock UK time. Follow me on my website, richieallen.co.uk. It was a little quiet today, the website. Uh, I've been up to my tonsils. Uh, it hasn't been quite lately. I'm posting a lot to the website. And I will continue to do that tomorrow and every other day. So get onto the website, richieallen.co.uk. Do open an account there and comment away on the articles and on Comment Live. Leaving you with Queen and Bohemian Rhapsody. I've never played this on the radio. Is this the radio? Not on this programme. See you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Is this the radio?